Hey guys, welcome back. We've done the interview for Fight Night EU, so we're moving over to our friends over Fight Night NA, and this time we're joined by Right Guys. So, how are you doing, our friend? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, I, I was. It's an honor to be invited to Fight Night, and then to be able to win it all was fantastic. I mean, these are eight fantastic, like great players, and and yeah, I feel very happy to have uh, won, and hopefully can show up next week with another strong lineup. Yeah, definitely. And why not win it again? Uh, as we know, there are a few players that can do it again. We've seen Stan, we've seen Marcus on you. So maybe you are the third one, the third wonder that can manage to win it over and over. I'll, I'll give it my best shot. We'll see. All right. But first, tell us a bit about yourself. For example, tell us a bit about how did you come up with your nickname? Yeah, sure. So my real name is Brian. And as a kid, I had the nickname Bry Guy. Um, and so that's sort of been my gamer tag ever since. It's uh, it stuck through the years. Yeah. How, how, I, I get the Bry, but where where did the guy part come from? I, I don't know. I think maybe my <laughs> uncle had started calling me that at one point. And then uh, on, on one of my sports teams in school, it caught on. So yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know where it originated, but it's, it's just sort of stuck. You mentioned the sports team. Did you play any sports or are you playing any sports? Uh, not anymore. I haven't really played much since high school, but I was on the water polo team and uh, did swim team as well for like a little bit of high school. Yeah, I wasn't very good. I mean, like I was OK, but <laughs> but it was fun. I'm glad that it was fun speaking about your past. What are you actually doing outside of LOR? What's your story behind your LOR mask, quote-unquote? Sure, yeah. So I am currently a graduate student in astronomy. Um, I'm, I'm in my second year, so I have another four years to go before a PhD. But yeah, I'm, I'm working towards that. Um, I always loved space and stars and science. And so I feel very lucky to be able to put those all together and, and do that as my job for the time being. Let me first congratulate you because I think you're the first person that is not a computer science student or <laughs> that is not an engineering student. I think we've got those plans. I'm a, it's pretty it's pretty close though. Like my whole day job is pretty much just coding and, and trying and then but then I have to think a little bit about what the coding means. I mean yeah. and I thought you were a special snowflake. <laughs> I get to study faraway galaxies. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, it's it's. I think it's no or like it's interesting that a lot of people in the yeah sciences and computer science, engineering, yeah, fall into sort of competitive gaming as well. I think there's a lot of overlap there. I mean, whatever the numbers and there's littles to calculate, there's always going to be a computer science student or a physics student or a mathematics <laughs> student that's performing. Exactly. Yep. Uh, what other card games did you play before coming to LR, or did you play any at all? Yeah, so I was a competitive duelist player. That was my first card game, really. I mean, I played like tiny bits of Yu-Gi-Oh growing up or, or anything like that. But um, the yeah, duelist, I think, was launched in like 2014, 15. But I got into it, I think, early 2016. Um, and it's... For those who don't know, it's sort of a card game, but there's a board as well, like a seven by, oh gosh, five by seven, I think, or is it five by nine? <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, five by nine, I think. But you play your units, you have a general on each side, and you play your units, and you can play them around your general. 
um, and they move in certain ways, and and so there's like a card component, but also a like board centric combat component. Um, and so yeah, I played that competitively. Uh, unfortunately, it shut down, but there's a revival project going on, uh, so that's that's exciting. Um, but yeah, I qualified for the world championships in that um, and tied for eighth place there. Uh, so that was certainly my biggest accomplishment in in Duelist. Um, and yeah, hadn't really played any other card games since. I mean, played Duelist until it shut down, and it happened to close right as LOR went into open beta. Um, and so one of my Duelist friends like mentioned that that they talked about LOR and was like, "This is this is maybe an interesting game. We should check it out." Um, and so I started playing and just sort of filled that void for me and have have been playing LOR ever since open beta. Yeah. The other thing I do on the side is is I'm a Mario speedrunner. I have been speedrunning Super Mario Sunshine since 2016 um, and a couple other Mario games. And I'm not at the top level, but, but you know, like top 100 or so, somewhere around there. Um, so that's that's been a lot of fun. And what made you actually fall in love with LR? Because I played a bit of the list myself. I enjoyed it for, for quite a while, but... It's it's different from LR. So what made you fall in love with LR? Oh, with LR. Yeah, I think so. At the start, hmm, it is very different. Yeah, because I had never played Hearthstone or anything, which I know is pretty similar to LOR, at least in terms of like mana and passing back and forth a, a little bit. I mean, uh, yeah. But I liked the the fact that turns were sort of reactive now. Like in Duelist, it was I take my entire turn, you take your entire turn. And then we each gain a mana, or something similar. Um, I like in LOR that there's a lot of strategy in just the pass button, like and how actions are sequenced and and these that all of that. And I thought the cards were really interesting. It wasn't sort of just super vanilla combat. There was a lot of neat effects and interactions. Um, and then I was also really pleased with the patch schedule and just how like open the devs were and things were always changing every two weeks. Um, yeah, so I think a mix of all of those, and then also just I, I think I like now sort of feel like I need a card game in my life after Duelist, and and this one was just the one there, and and yeah, I I think I just really like LOR's mechanics as a whole, and the spell mana system is also really cool. It's funny you mentioned the spell mana system because we're going to move over to your decks, <laughs> and the first and foremost is one of the old guards of LOR, something that has been around. Since the game existed, existed pretty much, Ezreal Karma was here everywhere in open beta, after the release, even when the Ezreal got nerfed, even when Karma got nerfed, we couldn't escape this deck. So why why revive this deck? Why, why did you bring it to the tournament? Yeah, so I think a mix of a couple things. Um, you'll, you'll notice from my other deck too, these are both kind of more old school type decks. Um, and I think part of that is just the comfort. So in a, like after this past balance patch, the meta was just blown wide open, and I think now it's sort of focusing. And there's a few top decks, um, but in order to have success, I was finding that like I needed to lean back on decks that I had already learned previously. And there's some new stuff here with the fallen felines and the time tricks, but at its core, like it's still the same as Karma, um, which I played a lot back in open beta, and it took me to win one tournament. Um, over last summer um and so it's it's a comfort deck for me it's one that i've known and been playing for a long time i think the play patterns are still pretty similar 
And I think it's just really strong right now. I think it's got some matchups that are unfavored, but there's almost nothing in the metagame that I'm like super afraid of with Ezkarma. Like I don't feel like there's anything that just totally runs me over. Um, and then I, on the flip side, I feel like there are things where Ezkarma is very strong against. And so, so overall, yeah, it was a mix of a comfort pick. And Fight Night's a weird thing with no ban. Not, not, not weird in a bad way, but just different. There's no ban. Um, and so I don't know what I'm going up against. I just assume it's either going to be like the metagame itself, like Akshan Sivir, or going to be people trying to counter that deck. And it's, it's a little less certain. I can't like protect against bad matchups. So I wanted a deck that I'm comfortable with, has pretty well-rounded matchups, nothing too polarizing. Um, and that I thought was very strong. And and also earlier in the season, I climbed to like 500 LP with, with Ezkarma, um, which was top four on the ladder at the time. But I, I've been scared to play any games on that account since. Um, but yeah, I was finding a lot of success with this deck, and, and I think it was just mostly a comfort pick. We have quite a few Ezkarma players in the community. We have already people mm -hmm. like Trivo, we have people like Random7HS that are comfortable with the deck and writing gouts about it. So uh, what is special about your list? Or since it is a comfort list, what are the tech choices important for in this list? Or what, which were your tech choices? Yeah, so I think I, I don't want to take full credit for the list. I think at early in the start of the season, I don't know how to pronounce their name, but Onerik or Onerik, O-N-E-R-I-C, um, sort of came up with this version, and Random took that version and won a tournament with it, um, and it was going high on the ladder, and so I tried it out, and I think it really clicked with my playstyle, which I think there's sort of two floating around that I've seen. There's this Fallen Feline Time Trick version, um, or there's I've seen MTuck has been playing a, a different version. I don't know about recently, but earlier in the season with like Ballistic Bot, Sump Dredger, Zonite Urchin, um, get excited. So trying to like cycle cards a bit more. And this one is more you can get the crystal for a total blowout. Otherwise, it's just sort of good units and just trying to use your spells to control the board, not giving up card advantage. Like you, you might see there's no get excited in this list. You really don't want to discard any cards. Um, and you want to try to make the most of everything that's in your hand until you get to 10 mana. And so that's where I got the list from. And then Scattered Pod came out, and so that shook things up. In the old list, there used to be an Aftershock, um, which was good against Thralls, and possibly there, there were maybe one or, other, one or two other decks that were running Landmarks at the time. Um, and uh, so there, were, there was an extra Deep Med in this and an extra Shadow Assassin, I believe. And I started swapping some of those out with when Scattered Pod came out. Um, so I saw, again, I don't know how to say their name, but Wonrik uh, mentioned that the uh, Scattered Pod could be a good like replacement to knock off one deep med. Um, so I used to run three of those. But now when you can drop a six drop and click burst, you're guaranteed time, tick or, time trick or deep med. Um, so if you're low on cards, those are things that you want to pick up and then have ready for when you drop Karma on 10, and then you just pop off with like a double time trick or four spells drawn out of a deep med. Um, so I think that card has has been very good. I'm still on a two of. Maybe it should be three. I don't know. Um, but I've been finding it's not great when you draw multiple. 
I don't love having a hand of like pod, pod, and karma, because then those are three cards that are sort of dead for the entire first half of the game. Um, so that's why I'm on two. And then I cut the Aftershock, um, which was sometimes nice to uh, just do six damage to their face with Karma, or eight if you have Karma and Ez. Um, but having a pod be able to pick your slow spell, and your only slow spell is Thermobeam, that's also nice. So with when you drop a pod, it's either do you want a fast spell, which can be pretty much anything in your deck that, that is reactive, do you want a slow spell, which is Thermobeam, guaranteed, or do you want a burst spell, which is going to be Time Trick or Deep Med, which can help you find your crystals or refill on cards, or if you don't have Karma, maybe you need to look for a Time Trick to find her, that sort of thing. You mentioned that earlier in the season, uh, MTAX was more, more of a cycle type of version, so mm -hmm. wh why did you pick a version that is more stable? The cards have a lot of value on their own, you do not need to discard in order to reach to your value cards. Yeah, I for me it was just comfort, and I saw Mtuck saying this in a Discord. He was like, "With my version, I have a sixty-five percent win rate. With one Rick's version, I have a forty-five percent win rate." And I was the opposite. I like tried playing Mtuck's version, just didn't click for me. Like I can't, I don't know. I so I know Ez Draven has been a deck for a long time. I've tried to learn it a few times, but I still can't like get it. And and I think it's maybe something similar with that Ballistic Bot some Dredger package. Um, I can do fine with it, but not to a point where I'd be comfortable bringing it to attorney. And and I know Mtuck's a great as Draven player, so maybe there's some parallel there. But this was just the list that like clicked for me. I was having much higher success with this one than the other one, at least it felt like. And a tool that we see for a lot of time now in the Ezreal Karma decks is Eye of the Dragon, but from what we're seeing in the community, there's a little bit of debate. This card is absolute nuts, absolute bonkers with listing decks. Like, this card carries the deck, so nope. wh what would S Karma do if that, if that card gets nuked or changed radically? Ah, uh, I don't know. S Karma might have to sit on the bench for a little bit till the meta slows down or something. I don't think it's like... Like, you can still win games without it, but it's a very strong card to just sometimes be a body. Like, you can block a 1-2 against some decks, or, or sorry, a 2-1, and, and trade favorably. The Dragonlings are great, though I think Ez Karma is not a deck that triggers it every turn. It's more of an every other turn sort of thing. Like, do you, do you trigger it on your attack turn, or do you trigger it on your opponent's attack? And either way, it tends to be very strong. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried for the deck if Eye of the Dragon does get changed at some point. I think there there will be ways to work around it. Like, Ezkarma is still probably going to be okay. But right now, it's a very important card in stabilizing a lot of the aggro matchups or um, anything that goes wide. It's like it does get vulnerable a lot against Sivarakshan. But if you can even just have one extra blocker from the Dragonling for one turn, like, it, it's also quite good. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a really strong card. From card change to another card change, the one that actually was impl implemented with Ionia of Ionia from 5 to 4. How much did did this change raise the power spike of the deck? It's it's great, yeah. I do think in the current metagame, Will doesn't hit that many things. It's like, if you sometimes maybe see the Nazis or Nazis Viego decks, like having a Will for those is nice. A Ruin Runner after you've popped the spell shield, like sometimes gets willed, or a Sivir, like after they commit a buff to her. But none of those feel great because then they replay them with spell shield. So that's why I think it's at a two of right now and not a three. Um, but 
against like Lee Sin, fantastic. If you ever run into deep, so good. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good card. Definitely helped the power level of the deck. I I do think it'd be a lot weaker with Will at five, um, but not as as hugely impactful as like the nerf might have seen. Like back in the day, Will at four mana was very strong. Everyone was dropping big threats, like, and then you you could just bounce them right back. But I think currently, with all the spell shields running around and decks like the elusive decks with very few units, that this is why I think the three of static shock is there, or the three mystic shots. I mean, those are pretty much staples for PNZ at this point. But you you want these sort of things to clear off small bodies rather than than will. Yeah, and you mentioned spell shield. That is now a keyword that is ravaging the meta because the Sephir package is so strong. And sure. yeah. In the beginning, we had some more, some simpler times where we had just big units that didn't have the spell shield. If you wanted to remove it, you did not need to even play Vengeance's Spooky Karma. You're just willing it away. The opponent yep. loses the entire turn. They just try to drop a Leviathan, didn't work out. They surrender. Move. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I don't think it's quite at that power level. And I think that is one of the reasons I think this deck does struggle a little bit into the Akshan Sivir or just Sivir package in general. It's good enough to where I was feeling confident to bring it, but I do think the matchup is probably favored for the the zipper player. You mentioned this matchup, so I need to ask you what what deck does this does this Ezreal Karma version loves to see being queued into, and which decks do you not want to queue into? Yeah, so as I was saying earlier, I think it's sort of I feel good against everything, or at least fine against everything. The things that I love, which is what Cryos brought, and I got to play against them twice, was these Shadow Isles control decks, which I think are sort of gone from the metagame, at least the like latter metagame, maybe more can be more seen in tournaments. Um, but like the there was an Anivia control or like Feel the Rush just get totally destroyed by Azkarma. You hold up a deny for their Feel the Rush. Uh, if they try to kill Anivia, you just send her back to hand, like don't let it die, and then Rekindler's never online, Harrowing's never online. So, and then you're just both waiting until you hit 10 mana, but when you hit 10 mana, you have Ezreal and Karma and can just destroy them. Um, yeah, and in terms of other things I like to see, I don't think there's anything else that I'm like super excited. Oh, oh, Lisa is, is the other one. Having Will to just, Will and Palm to just stop Lee is very, very strong. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think a lot of the matchups are close. Traditionally, as Karma has struggled with aggro, I think it's a, a bit better now um, with the Fallen Felines and Eye of the Dragons. I, I like tend to not have too much of a problem with pirates or discard aggro. Like They can definitely blow you out, but you also have some good counterplay. Um, and I think I'm also pretty happy usually to run to the like Team OZ elusive deck with three Static Shock, three Mystic, Thermo Beam, Palm, lots of ways to, to interact with them. Um, even the Shadow Assassins to block. I think, though... Oh, I just had had the matchup that I was uh, most scared of, but it's... Oh, Azir Aurelia. I, I do not want to see that deck. It's, uh, there's just too many threats. They go too wide, too fast, and uh, probably run you down. And that's kind of the history of Ezreal Karma. Everything that can get wider than them is a problem, and that's mainly because... 
as your karma doesn't really always have the remove edges because you do want the static shocks as you mentioned gotchas get excited or mystic shots usually but you do have wheels we used to run some stuns and they do not remove the threat permanently and that's why i think it struggles with something that is very cheap and can just redeploy units not even worth willing it <laughs> exactly yep and if they have a combat trick to save them like if they make you Go even on card advantage, I, like you're gonna run out of mana with As Karma in the early game. Like all your spells are are fairly expensive, so it's uh yeah it's tough to to stay even with them. Yeah, but moving forward from your comfort deck to the other comfort deck because Yanflex Tedrani has seen yet another resurrection. So why the hell are we bringing this thing back? Yeah, I this one is the the Silver Akshan counter maybe maybe counter at least something i feel comfortable playing into them like as karma right a little more iffy on it on that matchup this one feels good um and that's because if you can level a sejuani and get her on board as long as you have a way to to plunder their nexus like they cannot hurt you very much um and this deck goes fast it hits hard there are a lot of times where i am dropping like if i have the attack token on five it's like turn one corsair turn two make it rain Turn three, you plunder with with something, maybe a warning shot. Uh, turn four, you play Zap or Girdle Grifter and hit them, or or well, I guess turn three you're attacking. Turn four, you hit them somehow, and then on turn five you can warning shot, drop a leveled gangplank, and just boom, two damage to their whole board. I think that's definitely a high roll, but like that is what the deck can do. You have uh, like eight top end units between gangplank, Sejuani, and Dreadway. And there aren't a lot of decks that are equipped to deal with those right now. Um, even as Karma can struggle against like that many top end threats, if they just keep coming down as level champions, it's it's really strong. Um, so this was another powerful deck, right? It's similar to decks I've played in the past, and uh, yeah, had some success. So after my main account got up with as Karma, I was testing decks on my alternate account, and this one uh, is what what took me pretty far in that one. And uh, yeah, I was feeling pretty good. And, and, and I think as a lineup, <laughs> what was that? Then you people and your alternate accounts. <laughs> I have just yeah, this is the first. This is the first season I've really been using it. Uh, because last season, I was, you know, playing in the seasonal tournament. I was sitting at 7-1 and one going into my final game and was so nervous. And was just like, if I had an account in top 40, like, then, then I could get in with 7-2, and two, no sweat. But... Uh, yeah, so so I, this this season I've taken to trying to push my main as far as I can, let it camp, and be able to practice on a different account. All right, but yeah. this deck also has seen a few changes from the traditional version because the traditional version mm -hmm. wasn't running the dread away. I think it was too clunky at that point, and you could have gone much faster, much more of the time. The plunder was better before it got nerfed, and. Monster Harpoon, a new addition. How does this card do and why are we playing it? Yeah, Monster Harpoon is so good. So strong against uh, even the Spell Shield decks. You pop them with Ice Shard or Make It Rain, which also tends to hit the Nexus. And then Monster Harpoon for three mana, just wipe out pretty much any other threats. Um, really good against, yeah, in the Mirror, taking out their Gangplanks or Sejuanis uh, against Pirate Aggro. Any any sort of uh, matchup that drops a reasonably sized unit, you you definitely want the monster harpoon as a threat to uh, take them out. 
And I think it's also a bit of debate regarding how we want to build this deck. And actually, if you want to play Twisted Fate versus Gangplank, or what does Twisted Fate provide compared to Gangplank? Yeah, yeah, I think there's sort of two versions. I, I consider them almost separate decks, like not entirely. But the Twisted Fate version drops Gangplank, drops Dreadway, and tends to run Bjergs. And that one is a like pure Sejuani top end. You run three Sejuanis, you use Bjerg to find them. I, I guess Riptide Rex is often run in that version as well. Um, but uh, with that, it's... Yeah, I find it's a little more susceptible to re removal, so maybe like a Will on Sejuani is a lot stronger against that, as opposed to this one when you're dropping a Gangplank, Sejuani, Dreadway, all of these big threats. Um, and I do think with this deck, there's been a lot of times where I just like drop a Dreadway and then warning shot their face for four if I have a barrel, or uh, like Dreadway can really push lethal damage. Um, but I do like the other version a lot. I think it's maybe even stronger into Sivir. Being able to reliably get Sejuani is really good. Uh, but yeah, this one I just felt had had more strong top end threats. And again, after trying both, this is the one that was giving me more success. Um, yeah, and Twisted Fate brings another way to plunder, another way to draw cards, which is nice, and Gangplank just hits them harder. Just hit them harder, but now this is more exactly. of a personal curiosity because I love the card. Has anyone considered double up in this list, or has anyone considered playing double up altogether? Huh. I, I have not seen double ups around, but yeah, I mean, now at five mana, it very well might be worth it. I, I always worry when playing that card if they have a combat trick or like a fervor or anything, but it is strong and yeah, can can definitely push some damage, um, push plunder. But I do think I like being able to guarantee the plunder. Like there's a lot of times you'll see the one of parlay here and then you can sometimes get more from double gangplanks where even if they have a one health unit, if they're a deck that runs buffs, you just parlay their nexus. Like guarantee the plunder is is really strong. Um and so that's that's a risk I find with double up. You can't can you shoot it at their face actually? I think I think it says deal four to a unit, right? No, yeah. you cannot shoot it to the face. Yeah, so I do like the flexibility of of being able to yeah, guarantee plunder with your spells. Um but it, yeah, it's it's a valid consideration. I think these lists are still in a lot of flux. Um I think the hired guns are are often up for debate. Uh sort of how many croakers to play. And especially what I've seen is the, the debate on Ice Shard versus Monkey Idol. Like, do you play Ice Shard at all? Do you run three Ice Shards and no idols? Do you run three idols somewhere in between? I decided to split them. Um, but yeah, I think the list is not not totally refined yet. We have plenty of time before the season. Not that much, but enough for people to refine this list. You mentioned this list yeah. completely destroys Action Sever or any type of Sever deck altogether. What else do you enjoy seeing and destroying? Hmm. Yeah, that's tougher. I think sort of... Yeah, a lot of just like mid-range decks or, or things that... I, I think there really aren't too many others in the metagame that I feel like it destroys. But um, I guess Lee, Lee Sen gets hit pretty hard, too, if you can... Uh, so again, th that is the one overlap between these two. If, if anyone had brought a Lee Sen deck to Fight Night, I would have been very happy. Uh, because As Karma and this, I think, hit it pretty hard. But uh, yeah, I think that that's the other really good matchup. And there's a bunch that feel closer to even, or uh, at least manageable. 
and which matchups do you absolutely hate to see? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if I've had enough experience on this deck to really know that. I think super like all in aggro can be pretty tough. Um, if you don't hit the right cards, like you want to be able to respond to them with make it rain, but you don't really have barrels to to counter them, um, and so they can burn you down. Right? There's no healing here or anything. Um, so I think yeah, that's that's probably the scariest <laughs> type of matchup to run into. All right. So Ezreal Kama and Plunder Sejuani Gangplank. We've talked about them individually, but what was the sort of strategy you you went for by bringing these two decks? What did you expect to actually face in the tournament, and did you actually face what you expected? Yeah, I I wish I could say I had some like grand strategy with these two, but not really. It, it was really my comfort decks that had done well on the ladder, and going into Fight Night, which is this format without bands that... I could be just facing what's on the ladder, or I could be facing people trying to counter what's on the ladder, or somewhere in between. Um, so my strategy was, yeah, try to have well-rounded matchups and and hopefully use some edge of... Uh, neither of these two decks are like that popular. I think Gangplank Sejuani is picking up steam on the ladder, um, at least, or was when, when Fight Night was, was building up. Um, but I was thinking that I have more experience with my deck versus theirs than they do against me, hopefully having played so much as Karma and and Plunder. Um, so I was hoping to get some edge out of that, and then, yeah, just comfort and and trying to outplay the close matchups, um, but have a shot against everything. And this is a question I actually love to ask people a lot, maybe now a little bit refined. Between <laughs> comfort and actually bringing a targeted lineup, which do you think it's more important? Like, if you need, would need to give a oh. percentage to comfort and a percentage to targeting, which one would get which percentage? Yeah, that's tough. I want to say, like, 70% comfort, 30% targeting. But the best is if, if, you, if the meta is stable enough a couple weeks out, build a targeted lineup and then get comfortable with it in the time like like that's definitely the best that you can do but yeah i mean i found myself last seasonal like a zero Aurelia, thresh analysis these were the decks on the ladder but i took a targeted lineup like made out of decks that i was comfortable with playing deep thralls and zero Aurelia, um which were a little off meta but still that i thought were very strong and just things that i had played a lot of um, and so I think, yeah, comfort's super important. And in other seasonals where I had like picked up a lineup last minute, did not go so well. So you definitely want to know your decks inside and out if you're bringing them. Um, but extra bonus if you can target something. Like you, you don't want your lineup to be. I, I think more importantly than targeting is not having your lineup be vulnerable to something that's super prevalent in the metagame. Like if you have two decks that are weak to to like two other staples, say, I don't know, Akshan Sivir, and if Plunder gets really big, if you have two decks that are weak to both of those and you can't ban both of those, that that might be a concern. And since you mentioned Sidonos, I want to let Fight Night, let fade, let fade away a bit and let's focus more on Riot Lock, for example. How do you prepare for a Riot, a riot Lock type of event? Oh, I don't know. I, I have trouble with that. I look at stats a lot, I think, and try to find decks that have similar matchup spreads. Or So either one deck that I want to target that has, has three decks that beat it reliably, or just like decks that, that are both very weak to aggro, but not 
or like strong against everything else or, or something like that, um, which I think was sort of my lineup last seasonals. And yeah, so trying to, to find a lineup like that. But then also I look a lot at past like recent tourney results, especially ones just before the seasonals, see what's doing well, how people have built their lineups. And yeah, I, and I think it's some mix of that and then making sure I have my comfort decks on my lineup, at least one or two. You can always, like, every lineup is feasible with with one of your decks. Like, you pick your favorite deck, you can find a lineup for that. You just need to, to work around it. And did you feel from your past experiences in the Redlock format that was there a cog that wasn't spinning correctly, or was there something that you didn't do so you couldn't perform? Yeah, I think it was this this comfort versus countering thing. Like, I... For other Riot Lock seasonals or just general tournaments, I would pick up decks at the last minute, and it, it never went as well as I had hoped. Like, even if the deck countered something good in the metagame and I could win that matchup, I'd like run into another deck and be like, I have, I, like, what am I supposed to keep on this mulligan? Like, I have no idea how to play against this deck. Even having played like both of the decks individually, like, the matchup is new. And yeah, so I think making sure you're prepared with your decks is the biggest thing or at least that that will be my biggest thing going forward i want to not be swapping the new things at the last minute and and make sure that i've put in practice for at least a week with the deck before considering to bring it nice speaking about practice did anyone actually help you out scream for the finite prepared for it or was it just your leather yeah it's i i think it's pretty much just just been me um the yeah i i've been playing a lot of runeterra recently so so my partner uh, who i live with right now uh she's been playing a lot too so we we've been playing together and so that's that's a nice way to prepare like we both sort of try to explain our plays to each other and and so talking things through i think is a good way to get in that mentality of like thinking about everything really carefully um but yeah i haven't been scrimming much which i know that i should and uh, hopefully plan to do some more of that before seasonals. Because, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. Like, I think into Fight Night, I was pretty comfortable just going up against whatever's on the ladder, because I think that is probably what's going to be at Fight Night or something similar. Um, but for seasonals, like, I am probably banning Shurima Ionia, that region combination. And that's like 20% of the ladder right now, maybe more. So it's not really great to practice on ladder uh for that particular matchup unless you want to target it yeah if you want to target it fantastic like but but if you can find three decks that can reliably beat shrima ionia please let me know <laughs> i would i would be happy to uh build that lineup hmm. i think they're very strong right now but i i do think there's something out there that like someone's probably figured it out or uh and and we'll see it soon i think there there is a reasonable way to target those decks I mean, you can just go the usual triple aggro. You can go, you can go pirate aggro, for example. You can go discard aggro, and what else? There has to be another aggro deck. You, you go PSC versus yeah. burn, traditional burn, if you want. Yeah, you can try, but I don't know. With the, with triple refuge now being run pretty much in every Silver Action, like they throw that on a ruin runner and just boom, six health back for them. Like, so it's it's tough. It's tough. No, I, no. I do think triple aggro can be very strong, though, especially, yeah. Now, now I'm gonna have a father-like moment. Look, kid, I was beating, beating people with refuge and with healing even before you were born. 
Yeah, that's a good card. It's really uh, it's really taken off recently, and I think especially against all these quick attack units that try to vulnerable you and like with high power but low health. Spirit's Refuge is a great counter. Super good in the mirror of Cyberaction. It's it's really strong in the metagame right now. I think there were some people that were saying, all right, I'm going elusive. They do not have a, they are going to have an issue. And then you see Ghost and Spirit's Refuge. And then you ask yourself, <laughs> what did you do wrong in your life? Where did you do a mistake? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think that's why, I, unless something changes in this patch on Tuesday, it's probably going to be my ban for seasonals. And I don't have my lineup locked in quite yet, but some ideas brewing. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Imagine Leona gets back the over one. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much that would change. I mean, Targon's not seeing much play right now, but maybe uh, maybe it would be enough. I can tell you, Ricorex is already waiting for Leona to get over one back. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it could definitely be strong. I mean, stunning their their strongest unit and then coming in with Overwhelm seems pretty powerful. Nice, but we're at the end of the interview and it's been nothing but a pleasant experience to talk with you. So we have this traditional question at the end of the interview. If you could say just one thing to the audience before we're closing it, go ahead. This is your moment. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Keep keep having fun with Runeterra if you're if you're playing it. Uh, I I don't know. I'm excited about the future of this game, and so we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. And then I just want to thank you for the interview and, and and tell you to keep up the good work. This it's it's really nice, like watching these for other players, getting some insight into uh, what they're doing, and and I think it's a really helpful way to improve as a player. Like I still have a long way to go, I'm sure, and. Yeah, looking towards towards other top players is a great way to do it. And you can know how you can count on them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, if you run into me in seasonals, I'm probably working as Karma, so feel free to, to counter that. Or maybe that's a mind game. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. A lot <laughs> can change in two weeks. <laughs> Everything can change in two weeks. But yes, it has been a pleasant experience talking to you as well. Thank you for joining us. But for you guys, this interview is over, but not the series because there's more tournaments to come, more tournaments to cover. So stay tuned. There's going to be another one pretty soon. See you next time.